What's up, guys? Welcome back to the For the Berg podcast, episode 27 today. And just like the rest, I'm your host, Ron Gaeta. We just gave out our first $20 Dancing Gnome gift card today for sharing last week's episode. And we're going to be doing the same every Monday, so be sure to share this one to have a chance to win next week. My guest today is Hunter Bergen of AFI. AFI is one of my favorite bands for a long, long time, 20 plus years now. And Hunter breaks down every AFI album, giving us his personal favorite song from each record. He also talks about working with Tegan and Sarah and Matt Skiba in The Secrets. He also tells a story about the time he was in Pittsburgh and Chris Number 2 from Anti-Flag lent him his car to get around for the day. He was just trying to get a burrito and see a movie that day, but he was having a pretty tough time navigating those Pittsburgh roads that he's never driven on by himself. It's a good one, guys. Enjoy. Nope. Mr. Pop. Alright guys, today I have Hunter Bergen from AFI. What's going on, man? Thanks for being on the show, and we were finally able to make it work for, for you to yeah. be on an episode. <laughs> yeah, uh, thanks for having me. Yeah. Um, so, where we get these started usually, just get into some of your uh, early musical influences, when you decided you wanted to play music for a living, or when you knew that that was an actual possibility? Yeah, uh, I, I don't know that I thought about playing music for a living until I was already doing that. Um, I, I've always loved music and love playing music and I grew up in a, a musical household. My, my dad is a musician and would have bands practicing, you know, every night, not every night, but like when I'm a kid, there's like music around me <laughs> at all times. Um, and I, you know, I, I picked up a lot of different instruments early and, and just loved it. And, and I think, you know, as soon as I figured out how to form bands in high school, I was, I, you know, there was a point in time where I was in like, five bands at the same time and it was just i figured this is like i will always have bands i don't know what i'm going to do for a living <laughs> but i always have music I'll always you know and, and in the back of my mind i thought you know maybe i could do some sort of like um composition like a you know score for films or something you know mm. um, but i didn't think that i mean it just you know the it's such a um the odds are against you in terms of being a professional musician and at least in in the in the sort of um small town mindset that i was coming from like in order to make it big as a musician like your 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 chances are like one in a billion right so i didn't it wasn't i didn't think about it i thought you know if i have a band that plays locally or you know maybe every once in a while we do a tour that would be great that's that's like fine <laughs> yeah for sure <laughs> so yeah, and then suddenly I found myself in AFI, which is an entirely different story, but still with that mindset. And um, I, it got to the point where I had to quit my job in order to to have enough time to tour and and you know work on music. And it what was were you doing at the time? But what was the job that you had to quit? At the time, I was working at um, at a. I was one of the managers at a movie theater. Nice. That's cool, though. <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, I loved it. And, um, you know, and I, 
I had, um, you know, many of my friends also worked there. And the singer of, of one of my bands was actually like my manager. So it was like a really cool job and it was a cool vibe. And, you know, I love, I love movies. And so just being immersed in that environment was really cool. Um, but yeah, I got to the point where like, I, I would have to ask for so much time off that it made more sense for me to, to just quit. And it was a weird thing to think like, okay, I'm, I'm quitting my job to work on music solely. <laughs> but uh, yeah, and, and I haven't worked a, like a regular job since then. So. That's awesome. That, that would have been what, around like 97, 96, 97? I, I, was, I, think, I, think, I, I think I quit like at the very end of 98. Okay, so I'm not do it until no, 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 no. That's not true. It was the it was the end of '97, gotcha. beginning of '98, somewhere around there. Nice. Um, yeah. So <laughs> yeah, <laughs> um, like we mentioned before we uh, started here, I'd like to go through like just a little album run through with uh, a lot of the guys I have on the show. Just a little story behind the uh, recording process or what was going on uh, during the uh, recording process of each album. And then your just personal favorite song from each. I know you didn't record the first two albums with uh, AFI. So maybe we could just, you don't have to give a story there, but just maybe your favorite song to play live from, uh, from those two. So answer that and stay fashionable. Oh God. I don't even know what's on that album anymore. <laughs> uh, I think that one has, um, I want to say maybe Brownie Bottom Sunday. I don't know. We, we, so, we so very rarely play songs from those early albums now that right. it's kind of a treat to play anything. Um, but at the same time, like, I wouldn't love playing only that material now. Like, right. So when I first joined the band, there were only those first two albums. So even though I wasn't on those albums, that's, you know, and we toured like nonstop for the first couple of years I was in the band. That's all we played. Right. So the songs were like pounded into my brain <laughs> in a way that, that like very few more recent songs ever have the chance to be. Uh, Brownie Bottom Sunday was on that album. So good for you. There you go. I got one. <laughs> one, one for one. Uh, next one here again, doesn't have to be a story here. I know you weren't uh, part of recording this one, but very proud of you. Yeah. Um, I remember when that album came out too. I mean, this, like, I, you know, even though I wasn't in the band, I was in, in the, you know, within the sort of like this sort of scene. Mm -hmm. And, um, and my band, The Force, actually, we, we played the, the record release show for wow. that. Well, nice. I remember that. It was fun. Um, I don't, <laughs> what's on that one? Hey, um, You Laughs Last. That's a great song. Yeah. <laughs> There you go. <laughs> we did it. Two for two. <laughs> yeah. All right. Now, now into some stuff that uh, you, you would have recorded here with the band. The first album you were a part of, uh, Shut Your Mouth and Open Your Eyes. Okay. Uh, let's see. I remember. What do I remember about that? This was like in the, in the, the six-month period uh, during which I was not an official member of the band. I was just sort of a like temporary fill-in. Mm -hmm. uh, so... Uh, so the, song, the, the whole album was written and recorded during that time. And because I was like just a hired gun in the studio, it was like my first foray into being a studio musician. Um, they, I think they offered me like 500 bucks to do it, which is like at the time, like, Oh, that's like, that's significant money. Like, right. but I mean, let's, let's not, you know, this is like two weeks of rehearsal and then maybe one week of recording. So it's like three weeks of work. 500 bucks i'm thinking like this is good like plus i'm on the record everything it was cool um but i was like you know what 
I'm going to negotiate this up. <laughs> <laughs> and, and I thought, I know a way that I can negotiate this up and they can't say no. So I asked for $666. There you go. <laughs> and how, how do you say no to well, that? You can't say no to that. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> so what would your favorite song off that album be? Oh, uh, uh, gosh, uh, this is another one where I'm, there's like a billion songs on that album. My, um, mine would have been third season is, is what I, is what I picked off of that one. But, um, going down here, um, Oh, um, you know what? So hold on. Um, three reasons was written. I feel like that was one of the first songs written for it. I remember, I remember Mark, the old guitarist showing me that song on the very first like during one of the first rehearsals that I ever had with the band, he was just like showing me some new riff that he was working on. I was like, mm. just like, that's the coolest riff ever. So that's, that's my memory of that. Um, nice. <laughs> uh, I want to say the devil loves you mm -hmm. is, um, is that's a good song. <laughs> awesome. Good. <laughs> Next one here, black sails in the sunset. Okay. I know that one. I've there heard of that. Album. <laughs> I've heard of that. Album. Pretty big one. <laughs> so that, yeah. So that was like the first, album with the um with the new and still current lineup mm -hmm. and so the band that we are today is a i feel like is a direct evolution from that point does um, jade join now or is he already in the band that was where that was yeah, where jade joined yeah that's what i thought yeah and that was uh that was cool it was fun it was like it felt like it it felt like it was our own band whereas in the first year or so year or two i felt like i was in somebody else's band mm -hmm. and so that was like kind of felt a little more like i had some investment in it um and it was cool too because the tracks i think on that album were like really sort of you know they're they're like a step in a new direction and there's kind of d d different influences there and i don't know it was it felt like felt like i don't know something that i was like just kind of like happy to be a part of awesome um and let's see standout tracks uh this is i need to have a list it, it'll get easier i promise every <laughs> with every album it'll get uh closer to where, where yeah. we are now i'm sure i don't know that it'll get any easier but <laughs> hold on, hold on, I, I can do this uh i mean there's a lot of really cool songs on this album um mm -hmm. i remember close smoke catharsis is is was the first and possibly the only song i've ever played afi song that i've recorded um playing finger style the whole time instead of with a pick i don't know <laughs> <laughs> we'll, we'll go with that one as your, as your favorite song <laughs> i will say this i will say this like we you know we put our 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 heart and souls into this album and it's easy to look back on it you know 21 years later mm -hmm. and sort of see it for, for for what it is but at the time like it was kind of we were kind of not doing anything that was that, you know that was really within like kind of a scene like there was a really strong hardcore scene and then there was kind of a more like pop punk kind of um like fat records kind of scene mm -hmm. and we weren't we were often um a little too melodic for some of the hardcore shows that we'd be on and too hard for like the uh, for like the you know the fat wreck style mm -hmm. shows so we were kind of in, sometimes i feel like caught in the middle but at the same time we we were starting to really grow our own audience that people that were really on board with kind of the thing that we were doing so um so it's interesting to kind of like look back at some of these tracks and remember like 
it, or, or just think like, hey, this is a this is a cool song. I think of it objectively, like I really like this song. But then also remembering that like sometimes when we would go to play that song, the crowd wasn't like necessarily on board with it. You know, wow. <laughs> you know, t- ten years later, certainly yeah, twenty yeah, years yeah, later, yeah. people would be like, you know. But at the time, yeah. <laughs> at the time, it was like it was like I felt like we were kind of in the fight, like struggling, like, hey, we've got to really bring these songs and bring the show to people to really, um, to really, you know, show them what we're trying to do. Yeah, nice. Uh, next one here. This album will turn twenty years old this year. Later this year, the art of drowning. Yeah. Okay. So this one was uh, we we recorded this at Fantasy Studios in. Um, in Berkeley, which I think is not there anymore. I think it just disappeared or went out of business or something. Um, but it's like a, you know, a classic old school studio. Um, and we recorded this to tape, which I think we had never done before. Wow. At least when I was in the band. It, um, yeah, it was kind of a weird experience. Um, I remember the early mixes for this album were kind of chaotic too. But uh, it felt like, you know, it felt like we were like recording in like a, I mean, we, everything we'd done before that, or everything since, you know, my time in the band um, had been at, um, at our friend's studio, uh, Art of Ears. And all that stuff is great, but this was like an even bigger, like more historic studio. And I thought, whoa, this is like, we're stepping up. Um, turns out like, like I said, some of the early mixes were problematic and we ended up going back to our friend to, to like, help us like fix it. <laughs> um, yeah, let's see. What's some sent out track on here? Uh, Despair Factor, I, I, um, I programmed Drum Machine on that song. And nice. I, think that, I think that was the first sort of like programmed element that we included in a song. Um, just, I haven't, you know, you don't really listen to albums after you record them i mean you do you listen to them to death and then you kind of go out on the road and you play some of the songs and then and then sometimes it'll be 20 years and you listen back and oh i forgot about this song um some of the songs that i wrote on this album well like catch a hot one i haven't i hadn't listened to that since i played it wow really and i listened to it like a couple months ago because i would um i made a bunch of like sort of bass playing videos mm-hmm. and uh i meant to and i probably still will make more um but the thing is with those you have to know how to play the song <laughs> that's funny and so i i listen i listen to the so i listen to a lot of songs i'm like well what do i know what can i play um i'm like i don't it's weird i don't even remember that song but it's cool it's got some fast bass stuff on there so yeah there we go. uh next one here um Sing the Sorrow. At this point, you guys are uh, playing like MTV, Hard Rock Live, all, all that kind of stuff. You're on, you're on TV, on MTV, doing, doing all this kind of cool stuff. Um, yeah. What do you got for this one here? Well, that one's, I mean, this is like big leagues. Yeah. On every front. We've, we've um, I mean, I guess we wrote the album and rehearsed it still in our tiny little space. Claustrophobic little, um, little oven of a, of a rehearsal spot in Oakland and um and then brought it to the big producers and the big big studios and so and of course you know we were ready to fight like if anybody wanted to change our music and everyone was like cool with it nice (laughs) so so, um so that felt cool and also it was like 
the attention to detail was something we had never experienced before. Like actually, like me, for me as a bass player, going in and having my choice of amps and, <laughs> and basses, it was like, I brought all my basses, which was like, you know, stuff that I had toured with, it was beat up. And, and they had like, you know, a whole arsenal of basses for me to choose from. Plus also the option to rent some like classic vintage basses. It was like insane. <laughs> of course, now I understand that we were just spending money that we didn't have and, you know, <laughs> and then we would never make back ever. But uh, that was the, that was the decade of that. So, you know, um, but, oh man, it was fun. Um, so, and I think, I want to say, as played out as I feel this song is, because we've played this hundreds of times, um, the song Girls Not Gray, mm -hmm. I think I, I had this feeling like, I mean, I really like this whole album, yeah. but, but that song in particular, I felt like this is like the greatest song I've ever been a part of at this point. Like, I just felt like we fucking did it. We finally made the song that I feel like really ties into like all sorts of music that I love. And, and is, is like, um, I mean, it's also, it's like a good song. So oh, for sure. Yeah. <laughs> but I just feel like this to me represents like what I'm trying to like be a part of musically. So, um, and then of course now we played that song like hundreds of times and I'm just like, oh, yeah. Every night, probably, yeah. <laughs> um, next one here, December Underground. December Underground. Okay, this was also like, you know, big leagues. Oh, yeah. In terms of like all the amount of money that we spent. And like just murder, all, all that kind of stuff. I mean, that, that was huge. It's, you still hear that on the radio today. Yeah, we were, um, you know, it was like, we were, what it, there's probably some sports analogy, like when you step up to the plate and swing big, like you're, you're like you are swing trying to hit the fences. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. That's yeah. it. <laughs> so that's what we were doing here. And I think, you know, it, it debuted on the billboard charts at number one. So wow. what can you say? You know, you, this was all... you, you hit the grand slam home run with that one. Exactly. This is the, this is the album where we, you know, we played on Saturday night live, which I had always wanted to do ever since I was a little kid. Yeah. That's so cool. Um, so it's, you know, in every sense, it was like, we did it. Um, it's stylistically, it's also very diverse. Like we really are just kind of like pushing in all sorts of directions. Um, and so like at the time I thought this has no like cohesion, <laughs> but when you listen back, it does, it has it all kind of, you hear that it sort of lives in the same world. Mm -hmm. But at the time I felt like this is just all over the place. But it's funny how like when you're in sort of a creative bubble that you, it's just, you don't, there are things that may take decades for you to like objectively see. Mm. So, but I mean, it's like, you know, like so many of these albums, there's like a, little, a lot of really cool songs on there. Um, oh. I think I would say the song that I like the most out of all of these, probably The Killing Lights. Awesome. Would that be one? Do you, do you have a song on this one that uh, you wish was a single that, that, just wasn't a single that, that maybe you guys tried to push to be one and just it never happened or historically we were always promised like multiple singles like you guys will get three or four singles and then and then even when you and and then that that information is used to sort of like make an argument for like the first or second single mm -hmm. well we were thinking about doing this for the second single and in your mind you're thinking well what about this other song mm -hmm. oh that'll be third fourth that, that's the fourth single and then that never happens that never happened so, 
Um, but I would like, we, we almost, um, I know the missing frame almost became like a real single and summer shutter almost became a real single. I can see that. Yeah. Um, I think, you know, killing lots, it's just, it's such a weird thing. Sing the, the concept of a single is, is weird. I feel like, um, you know, I don't know, like I'm not a music historian, but I feel like it started off with like, Hey, these are undeniable tracks. We have to let them out. And then decades later, it turns into this like weird strategic thing where this is like the single that sets up this other single. And it's such a business marketing promotion like thing that it, it lost the idea of like, Hey, these are, this is a great song that people will all enjoy. Yeah. And so I feel like we fell victim to that like time and time again. Did you guys have a third single off that album? No, not officially. Love like winter and, and miss murder were the, were the two I would think or of. Maybe, yeah. I guess maybe, I don't know if that's if and we didn't do a, a video that we were supposed to do um, for for which one well i think at different times we were talking about both summer shutter and missing frame okay um so and i know at one point we were on tour and we we're talking about like a way to sort of like somehow be on tour and do well, i feel like we were going to record or do do some video shoot in i have this weird okay this is where my brain's foggy but like this is weird <laughs> like visual of us in a tunnel in mexico <laughs> so i don't know there's something there i'm not yeah, there. that story but <laughs> that's one the bottom line is it never happened so you know i, I always wish that the interview was a single that i like that song that's a cool song yeah. now see, this is like the bins part of my brain going like that would never work as a single but i, it, I could see that yeah but it is a great song it's a great uh, song yeah and the last time I saw you guys live wasn't that long ago here in Pittsburgh, and, and you guys still played that to, to, to this day. I mean, till I don't can't remember what it yeah. was, but it was definitely within the last six years ish, six, yeah. seven years. Well, I mean, okay. like, thankfully, within the last six years, or even less than that, we kind of reopened up the catalog mm -hmm. and said everything's fair game. And, nice. and that's made it so much more fun for us and probably for everyone. Oh, for sure. Um, also a challenge too because yeah. <laughs> I'll be up on stage like okay we're playing a song that we've never played before and I've only and it's it 20 years old great <laughs> 20 years old and, and we didn't have time to run it through in soundcheck so here we go <laughs> perfect uh, next one here crash love crash love okay so another another great example and the I know I want to say the final example of us like just spending a lot of money to make a record um and you know, not that's obviously like we shouldn't worry. If we're talking about art here, we right. shouldn't necessarily like worry about that. But we did. I mean, we all the all the songs in this album we we recorded like really great sounding demos of them. Like we rehearsed them, went in the studio with you know on our own and made these demos. And um, you know, some of the like most of the songs ended up like. I don't know, maybe there were like three or four that didn't end up going on the album ultimately. But um, but then we, you know, we, we went and recorded them with one producer, then like scrapped those tracks and went with another producer and then a third producer. And like, it just, we kind of just kept going on this album and sort of kept pushing in it. And um, in terms of losing objectivity, like this was the ultimate um and then in the mix phase, because we had, you know, worked, built all these songs around like the same um, tempo maps, 
we were able to mix in elements of all the different versions of the songs, which um, kind of reminds me of like hearing about like um, old like Beatles recordings or like Beach Boys recordings or where they were like taking um, a bit of this session from this, you know, in this country and then a little bit of this thing recorded here and then and then this other version that they sped up to ma to match. And so um, I kind of like that aspect of it. But um, all in all, I, I, this is still like probably one of my favorite, if not my favorite albums that we did, just because it has such a such a vibe and it and it just feels like um, feels like we really we really like work together as like a team on this one. And it's like a it's a good like band album. Yeah, nice. What would you say the favorite song would be off the album? That's a good question. <laughs> That's it. I mean, I there are a lot of really good songs on this album, though, for sure. It's hard for me to deny. I mean, like I, I have like seasonal favorites, but "End Transmission" is always like at the top of my list. Like that's another one of the songs. Like "Girls Not Great," where it's like, this is like my kind of jam. Would you have wanted to see that as a single? I know on on there was what uh, "Beautiful Thieves" and "Medicate" would have been. Yeah, the which is like uh, that's just weird. I wouldn't have gone with either of those songs. <laughs> I would have thought like um, in transmission and um, I don't know. I mean, like it's the thing that sucks about, like I said, kind of said before, like singles, picking singles is such a business decision right. about art. And often what it take, what it's taking into consideration is like, what is the sort of musical environment right now? And I think that that's not always the, you know, certainly in retrospect like that's not the best way to do it but i don't know um, uh, little fun fact about that album though i used to work in portland maine as a uh like the the graphic designer and video production guy for a hockey team up there there was an, an ahl mi minor league hockey team and i used to make all of like the opening videos where all like little music video type things and i actually i used medicaid for one of the songs so that's cool nice, <laughs> nice. well thank you yeah <laughs> um next album here burials all right. Uh, okay. Burials. So burials. Uh, it had been a while since we, since we had like done an album. Darker than than Crash Love, I want to say. Yeah. And I think there were points during that time where I just assumed that we weren't going to do another record. Oh really? Not based on anything specific, but just like, but like more so the lack of information or the la like the fact that we weren't doing it to me indicated that maybe we weren't going to do it. So. Gotcha. Um, so I, you know, I went about like doing other things, started playing with other bands and, and, uh, and then suddenly it was like, Hey, we're doing this. Let's, let's do this record. So, um, uh, it's definitely, this one's cool. I like how it's just, a, it's a, it's a, it's in terms of like the, the difference between crash love and burials. It's like a, like a conscious step into the darkness. Mm -hmm. Um, and I think that was kind of the mindset of, of you know, in, in terms of like everyone sort of tailoring their performances was like, it's a darker album. Like that's kind of where we were, I think. Um, uh, kind of played around with weird tones on this album. And we got to work with, uh, with Gil Norton, which was really cool. In terms of tracks, I would say, I always really liked 17 Crimes, but that's one of the songs that we played so many times. That, oh yeah. Like, <laughs> um, Speaking of singles, wasn't that the second single off that one? Yeah, and I actually felt like okay, finally a, a single that like that like you know 
made sense in your, yeah, in your mind. Sense yeah, made sense to me. Uh, you know, I'm just one one opinion, but you know, I think uh, I always really like heart stops. And when we play that live, I don't know what to do because it's not a, you know, there's a lot of the song that I don't play. And so I feel like when I'm not playing, I need to be like doing something, but it's not that kind of moment. And so I feel like I'm just standing there like, like a weird, awkward statue on stage. I'm sure that's not how it comes off. They're <laughs> I mean, all dramatic and whatever, but um, for sure. But it's, it's, yeah, I think also, I ended up using too many different effects pedals and, and things on this album and tried to bring them into the live show. And to my own detriment, I, I feel like these songs, whenever they're in the set list, I feel like, oh, I'm like chained to my pedal board because I have to like constantly change things. And it's like, yeah, it's, it, I hate it. <laughs> like the, conductor, the conductor, probably a great song. When I see it on the set list, I'm like, oh, conductor. I have, there's like, there's like 25 like pedal switches in that song or something. It's just like, ugh. And that's my own fault, but you know. Right. <laughs> Next one here. We, we, we did it, man. We're, we're at the end of the, uh, the studio albums here. The, the latest right. one, uh, the blood album. You, you did a good job. But <laughs> the, the latest one here, the blood album. Yeah. So this was like, um, there's something about this album that, that was, and mind you, this is completely unintentional, but it has like certain sort of feelings that, that are feelings. Maybe that's not the right word. It has certain sort of um, elements to it that reminded me of earlier stuff that we had done without being an intentional like return to form whatever that is that's you know right yeah, yeah. I mean, which is obviously very subjective because what is form so um but yeah there's we ended up playing quite a few of these songs over the years um which is like i don't know sometimes like you you have an album and then within five years you find yourself only playing like a couple songs off of it and that's not really the case with this one i think quite a few of these would come up in the set list um but i mean i guess it is our newest full right. length yeah. thing, so but um it's three years old at this point yeah, is that true it is it's yeah. like so much older than that <laughs> oh you know okay well i don't know i could talk about a lot of these songs because it's all in the brain still yeah. um the first pre-single, not technically a single, but a pre-single, whatever that is, uh, White Offerings, is such a dumb, like we're not a super technical riff band, but this was like a sort of a specific riff and, it, and like every, you know, it wasn't like a, like an Iron Man type right, yeah. down riff. This is like, it's like more of like, a, okay, you got to remember this time it does this and this time it does that. And it's, you know, it's like almost like um, complicated for complicated sake. Um, sounds great. Sounds super cool recorded. We tried to play it live on one of the shows. Like the album isn't even out yet. And we're playing it live at a, like a Christmas, uh, you know, radio concert. Mm -hmm. and, and we hadn't played a show in years and so we're out of the gates, we're like, oh, let's just do this song. And it just did not go over well. It was just, it was like a train wreck. I mean, it probably wasn't a, a, an actual train wreck, but in terms of our own like self-esteem about the song, it was like, oh, maybe let's not do that one. <laughs> so I don't think we tried to play it again after That's that. Um, I know the, the latest release was the uh, Missing Man EP. And I know uh, Jade and Davey just put out some new stuff with uh, uh, Black Audio. 
Um, but what's the new, uh, what, what's the download on the new uh, AFI record here? Anything you could tell us about that? Well, it, the, the, the problem is this pandemic that we're dealing yep. with. Yep. Um, we, um, we were all on track to like have, you know, this year, new album, big tours, all the, all the stuff, everything that everybody wants from us. We were all, we were ready to give it to everyone. And then the pandemic said, no. So everything's being pushed back. Um, but, which, there is a new, but there is a new album coming for sure, right? Yeah, of course. I mean, they're always being fun, but yeah. Um, yeah, it's, uh, it feels weird to be in this, like we were marching full force toward that, toward these, like t- this specific timeline. And then to have that, you know, end is not typical for us. It's either like we're working or we're like consciously like taking a break. Mm-hmm. And so we're in this kind of weird limbo where we're not doing either of them. Um, and it does feel weird. Also, I just miss playing shows. Yeah. <laughs> And we were, we've been fortunate enough to actually like find um, find tours each summer for the past few years, which isn't normally our MO. Um, in the past, we would like actually kind of take a break and like do nothing for a year. And so past couple of years, we've actually been doing at least like one tour a year. And so to have all this time where I know for sure that we're not gonna be on tour, it's just feels weird. Yeah, definitely. Hopefully things get back to normal there sooner rather than later. We definitely want to hear some new stuff and, and obviously see see some shows again. But uh, so you you do way more than just play bass for AFI. I mean, you've worked with a bunch of really talented artists such as uh, Tegan and Sarah. Want, want to get into what that was like and how that came about? And yeah, oh man. Okay, so um, I I love Tegan and Sarah. Huge fan of their music. Um, and uh, I was lucky enough after after becoming friends with them. Uh, that Tegan asked me to play bass on the songs that she wrote for mm. their album, The Con. And and my friend Matt Sharp actually played bass on the songs, uh, on Sarah's songs on the same album. And it was fun. That was cool. It was like, uh, I guess when was this? It was like 2008, seven, six? Around there. Yeah. <laughs> Somewhere around there. Um, uh, yeah, and it was just like kind of just I sort of had free reign to do whatever I wanted to do, um, which is cool. Like that's um, that's kind of my favorite thing. Although I don't know, like I'm as far as being like a session basis, I'm like pretty open to whatever feedback I'm given. Um, and also, I'm going to use this as a plug. Hey, if anyone wants to hire me to be a session basis, there you go. <laughs> You were also in a band with uh, Matt Skiba from Alkaline Trio and uh, Blink-182 and uh, Jared Alexander, who played uh, with My Comical Romance. Um, uh, it was called Matt Skiba and the Secrets, right? It's kind of like a, one of the su- uh, super groups you hear out there, like, having guys from AFI, Alkaline, or Alkaline Trio, and uh, My Chemical Romance all, all getting together to, to put a band together. That, that's pretty cool. Yeah, that's, it, it just sort of came about kind of organically. Like I've, I've known Matt for, uh, I don't know, like almost 20 years and I've known Jared since like, like I don't know, since the nineties, since nice. deeper into the nineties. Um, mm-hmm. And so, you know, I think I ran into Matt at a show and he kind of pulled me aside and was like, kind of just, Hey, like I'm working on some, some like a different project and, you know, wondered if you wanted to do it. And I was like, yeah, okay. And then, uh, and I talked to, to Jared like sometime around then and found out he was doing it too. I'm like, Oh, this is awesome. Like, like he and I had been friends for 
for years and always wanted to play music together, but, um, but had only done it a couple times. And so, you know, it was just like, this will be cool. This would be really cool. Um, and then it was, it was cool. It was, it was, um, everything sort of came together quickly. And, and, um, I want to say Matt sent around demos and then, and then just suddenly I went into the studio and it, it was a lot of, um, kind of just playing stuff off the cuff and the same goes like we did two albums together and the same like the second album was even more off the cuff like like he sent me demos or tracks like the night before I went into the studio and with some <laughs> songs I literally hadn't even heard the song when I went into track it and I was just let's just see what happens so um I don't know it's just kind of fun like having that sort of um I don't know this kind of vibe I I always um I'm a huge jazz fan and I and I I, one of my favorite things is like looking back through like jazz albums, you know, and often the personnel are printed on the cover mm -hmm. and you look back at like, you know, an old Miles Davis album from the fifties and see that like, who's in his band. Oh, John Coltrane was in his band. And then later, you know, you see John Coltrane is like, is the band leader. And then you see who's in his band, like McCoy Tyner, what's he all about? And, um, and so just sort of like, like seeing and then sometimes you there's like one of my favorite albums is like this John Coltrane Duke Ellington album where they played together and at the time Duke Ellington was uh 63 and and John Coltrane was 36 I believe um so it was you know they're coming from two different eras of jazz mm -hmm. but it's just like hey let's let's get together in the studio play up you know maybe a couple new compositions but some standards and let's just like just capture this moment and I've always loved that about jazz. Like the, you see so many albums that kind of have that sort of vibe. And so to me, the, um, the Matt Skiba and the secrets are kind of that. It's like, here's guys from different bands kind of coming together. Not, not trying to be like a super group, just like friends who want to like work on some music together and put it out. There it is. Awesome. You also wrote a book a little while back here and then you illustrate your own comics. Um, yeah. I mean, I've, okay. So yeah, I wrote a book. Mm -hmm. uh, I actually wrote two books, but the second one is not yet. <laughs> but I've been sitting on it for years. So <laughs> um, that's on me. That's my fault. Um, and I started, it's actually been five years now. Five years ago, I started a, a webcomic and I've put out a new comic every single Monday for five years. That's awesome. Cat with that's, matches, right? Yeah, cat with matches. Um, we're actually talking on a Monday, so you would have released you, you released one today. I was up late last night. <laughs> this is so I, I just have to let you know that like normally I don't schedule anything for Mondays. Because oh really? I don't know how late I'm gonna be up drawing, like you know till till you know till the sun comes up sometimes, <laughs> um, and so I don't schedule things for Mondays because usually I just want to like sleep in on Mondays, um, but. Um, but, uh, you know, things are a little weird in the pandemic. And so, you know, time doesn't really mean anything now. So I'm just like, Monday, sure. <laughs> we def de definitely appreciate you coming on the show, on, <laughs> even though it's a Monday. <laughs> um, the show is called um, For the Berg, based out of uh, Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania here. Do you have any favorite uh, venues or any cool show memories, any places you'd like to go out while you were in town, anything you remember from Pittsburgh? <laughs> This is, that's a great question. Now you're really putting me to the test. So, um, I'm trying to think of Pittsburgh. <laughs> I mean, when I think of Pittsburgh, I think of, I think of anti-flag. I just two days ago talked to Justin saying from anti-flag. <laughs> and I think like, you know, 
I've been friends with those guys for 20 years, like probably like as long as I've been ever going to Pittsburgh. Nice. Uh, Your episode is actually going to follow Justin's episode. So that's pretty cool. All right. (laughs) Uh, When I think of Pittsburgh now, I think of the, so one time their bassist, Chris, number two, Mm -hmm. um, he and I have this kind of running inside joke where we pretty much anytime that we're on tour and playing each other's cities, um, the other person is also on tour, not at home. Um, And it's like, comedic like no matter what (laughs) Um, so one time I happened to be in Pittsburgh and he wasn't there Um, but he said that I could borrow his car (laughs) and and drive around and so I was like this is cool I'm into this so like you know like called a taxi and had them drive me to where his car was parked got his got his car and and it was, there's a couple catches. Well, there's one catch. It was a stick shift, which is totally fine because I can drive a stick, but I hadn't driven a stick in years. And, and the, um, the, the clutch in this car, like the pedals comes up really high, like much higher than I was used to in like my old car. So, so it was like definitely like some, some like leg work that I hadn't done in a while. <laughs> and, um, and I also didn't understand anything about the um, the geography or roads of Pittsburgh. Horrible, the, yeah. All the one which, way and you can't, yeah. <laughs> which like, I'm sure that, you know, like you know really well and probably all your listeners are familiar with. Um, but this was like, I didn't understand that it was like one of those crazy, like um, crazy like games with like bridges <laughs> and tunnels and like things like yeah. where you have to like, you know, find a route where you can get so and i'm you know and also this was like before any sort of like speedy effective gps Mm -hmm. so i have gps running on my phone but it's giving me directions like just 10 seconds too late and so (laughs) i didn't make that exit to to loop back around and so suddenly like ah man i'm on a bridge and i know that i'm gonna go through a tunnel and i'm gonna have to like drive another five miles down before i can figure out how to turn around and then i keep missing it's just like oh just like and of course, every time I'm having to do this like leg work to, you know, get the car into gear. And it's just like, it's such a challenge. But so that's honestly, like when I think of Pittsburgh, I picture <laughs> that experience. That's funny. And, you know, you we, know where you were trying to go when, when you were driving you know, the car? I was trying to go to see a movie. I was trying to go to a movie theater. <laughs> um, yeah, there was like, um, I think it was like I wanted to go to a, a, like a Mexican restaurant. Mm-hmm and get a burrito awesome which i don't remember the name of the restaurant but I'm i sure. went to a mexican restaurant called mad max it could have been mad max that's the one that's, that's the one. one and uh yeah it was just like and i want and then go to get it see a movie or something i mean it was just like a typical like day off on tour where all i want to do is just like relax and get some food and see a movie so um and also i think um that's uh i know he doesn't live there anymore but um mike egan painter do you mm-hmm. know who you know no, what I'm talking about? I don't. I'm sorry. Um, he, uh, some, like, I don't know if they're still there, but, like, I know that he, a bunch of his paintings were in Mad Max. It's, uh, you know, a lot of skulls. and. and oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That is, that's crazy that, that you were trying to go to Mad Max to get a burrito when, <laughs> when yeah. you were in Pittsburgh. <laughs> well, that's the thing. It's, like, I'm, I mean, I know that they have, um, like, vegan options. Oh, yeah, for sure. And, and I've been vegan for 20 years, so, like, that's kind of, that's, you know, I'm drawn to those places when i am in different cities yeah they're they're really good about that 
Um, once you also, I went to the um, to the Warhol Museum one yep. time, mm -hmm. which was really cool. And what else? I'm trying to think of like Pittsburgh <laughs> stuff. I don't know. Like, <laughs> I, I will say the the one venue that always kind of like sticks out in my mind is, and I think it's not there anymore. Maybe <laughs> is it was like right down by the river, maybe. So like, was it an old like converted church? Is that? No, that no, sounds cooler than this. That's. Yeah. This was like kind of a sports bar sort of thing. Um, yeah, yeah. Oh man, shit. I'm trying to think of, I think I've, I think that was the last time I saw you guys here was there, I want to say. It was about six, seven years ago. Man, I don't even remember what it's, it's not there anymore though, you're right. Yeah, it's it was. I mean, it's I, don't not, I don't think it's Club Zoo. It might have been. Man, I can't remember what it was called. Let's just say it wasn't the worst venue ever. But the the backstage area, which is like your only place to sort of like get ready and whatever, was just right next to the stage with these like big doors and um, and no like sound protection. So when you're in that backstage area, you might as well be inside a speaker. <laughs> and I think also the, the stage configuration was a little weird. Like the stage is kind of up and at an angle and there was like different tiers of, um, of like kind of uh, fenced off balcony area type things. There were different, I don't know, like I feel like one or more of them were placed like in front of speakers or directly. In, I don't know. It's just weird. I think you're talking about Club weird. Zoo. Is yeah, weird. that sounds familiar. That's the only thing that, that comes to mind, but. I, I think so. It was in a strip district. I, I think that's, yeah, I think that's what you're talking about. Not my favorite venue though, <laughs> but, but it's not there anymore. So that's good. So you won't have to worry that's about good. playing there. there the it doesn't matter. <laughs> um, do you know what the term jag off means by chance? No. It's a, it's a Pittsburgh term for like asshole, douchebag, dickhead, whatever. Okay, I, ask every, I, I ask every guy on the show. Um, I'm kind of batting about 500 here. So you can answer it however you want to. Don't feel pressured. Yeah, whatever you I feel do. like, I feel like that's one of those terms where what it sounds like is, is what, it what it is. Yeah. And so um, it, yeah. But I do ask every guy on the show. So just being in, in one of these big, bigger bands touring with a lot of big, big people here, meeting a lot of famous people, anybody that you were excited to meet that just turned out to be a jag off. <laughs> oh, I don't know. Cause I don't want to like <laughs> that. Uh, one time I, um, let me, let me first preface this by saying like, as a person in a band who some people do want to meet me, which is cool, but I totally understand how sometimes I'm not ready to be met <laughs> necessarily. Yeah. Um, I try, when I'm on tour, I try to be ready, like, you know, 99% of the time, but there's that 1% of the time where like, I'm just like, for whatever reason, like something is happening personally or whatever. And, you know, I think that sometimes when you meet somebody that you're like really excited to meet and they're not hundred percent there, you know, or they're of their mind somewhere else, then you can get a, you can get the impression that they're like, they're a jag off and, and, <laughs> and, and it's not a fair representation. Right. And so I, I try to remember that when I'm meeting people that, that even though like I'm doing my best to do that, to be, to be like cordial, that not everybody is always on that page. And certainly people who have been in the industry for longer than I have, like, you know, have maybe earned their right to just be grumpy sometimes. And that's fine. <laughs> that's life. Um, so I will, having said all that, uh, I, I went to go see um, 
I went to go see McCoy Tyner, bring up McCoy Tyner again, RAP, um, play, this was like about 20 years ago, I went to see him play in Oakland, and um, he, uh, Stanley Clark was playing bass. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh, this is really cool. Um, and so after the show, I mean, it was a, it was a great show, and they're they both amazing. And after the show, uh, I noticed Stanley Clark was like kind of like walking around, and like people were like going up and talking to him, like, oh, this is cool. Like, I'm gonna, should I say, should I go up and say something? No, I won't. You know what, I will. And I went up to say what's up, and he was just like so cold and so did not care, did not want to meet me or anything. And and it's, you know, maybe it's because it happened 20 years ago. Like if that were to happen today, I, it would be different. But like at the time, I was just like kind of heartbroken about it. <laughs> That's a good answer. You got a couple of fan questions here, and then I'll let you go, buddy. Um, Number one, do you or anybody in the band have any weird superstitious pre-show activities or uh, pre-show rituals or anything like that before taking stage? Yes, but it's, you know, secret stuff. So I can't, can't like get into that, you know. Um, most of the, most of the, the rituals that are actually like, you know, logical are, you know, just like the stuff you would imagine, like stretching, like have to stretch, have to take a certain amount of time to like get into the, to the mood. Sometimes, sometimes if we're playing a venue where the, where the dressing room is really, really isolated from the stage, it could be, you know, an hour before we're playing and I don't even have the sense that I'm at a show. And so sometimes I'll have to go out into the show and like, actually like just sort of absorb that, that like energy just to get in that mode, you know, otherwise, you know, there's nothing worse than going out on the stage cold. And I don't yeah. mean just physically cold. That's bad. You know, it's <laughs> always, bad. but also like, like heart rate really slowed down and just, and not, not like feeling the, you know, the, the energy of the crowd because it's like, because then you're, then the first song, two songs, you're ramping up during that time. So, so it's not an uncommon thing to see me and also like, you know, sometimes other members of the band literally like running laps around the backstage area before we play a show just to like get things going, you know, and get, get excited and get in, in the vibe and then also hydrate. <laughs> sure. Uh, next one here. What band have you seen most live as a fan? Not on tour with, but paying tickets as, as a fan. Oh, I was just talking to somebody about this today. Um, and it might be Prince. Um, nice. But it, but it also might be Elvis Costello. And I think that Elvis Costello has an advantage in that, that he's still with us, mm-hmm. um, hopefully for, for, for a long time. Um, I, think, I think my Elvis concerts have surpassed my Prince concerts now. Um, I would say the next would be Rise Against, probably. Nice. Um, just having been friends with those guys since the beginning. Um, and they are, they, whenever they play in town, I am here. And so I'm always going to see them play. That's awesome. And then sometimes we play too. <laughs> so um, I would also say like the, the band, I, and so including tour, I would say the band I've probably seen the most is Sick of It All. Mm-hmm. And usually when you're on tour of the band, you like, you know, you'll, ch- you'll check a couple songs out, but then you got to get ready or like, or you're cooling off. And then like, as soon as you're done, you go check out some songs or whatever. But with Sick of It All, it's like, you don't want to miss a second of their set ever. And so anytime we've ever played with them, I'm like there watching. And so technically I'm on tour with them, but like, I'm also a fan. 
That that's awesome. <laughs> uh, last one here. If your band could tour with just one other band for the rest of your career, who would that band be and why? Oh man, I don't know. I like, get everyone on that one yet. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> uh, uh, I mean, if we could tour for the rest of our lives, period, yeah. that would be great. <laughs> that's just a great starter. Um, I would say, I mean, it's playing with friends is 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 key. Uh, I mean, like, like I mentioned, sick of it all. That would be amazing. Um, Rise against that would be great. That's a weird, that's a weird hypothetical because it's oh, yeah. like pretty unrealistic that that's going to happen. That's like, they say, like, if you could only eat one meal for the rest of your life, <laughs> what would it be? What would it be? I'm like, whatever it is, you'd, you'd get tired of that. after. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, trust me, since this, since this pandemic started, I've learned that firsthand eating the same meal over and over again. Uh-uh. <laughs> all right man I, I appreciate it. that's all i have anything else you want to uh say or plug or anything like that before we get off uh yeah i guess uh check out my comic cat with matches yeah. every monday every monday hunterbergen.com that's kind of an easy it, hub for things that's happening yep uh, in my life and uh you know follow me on on all the socials you know or just instagram i don't know whatever yeah. <laughs> whatever you're into um you know like and subscribe to everything i do appreciate it man um i'll send you a link whenever uh this goes up in about a week or two and then uh maybe, maybe nope. share something like that, but I'll be in touch. mr yeah, pop right awesome, thank you man.